I am uh, big on pomp and circumstance when it comes to the Lord. I really am. I think that he should be treated <clears throat> as a royalty that he is. And our awe and wonder of him <clears throat> should never cease. He should never become uh, commonplace to us. We should never treat him as commonplace. Amen. There should always be a level of honor and respect. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I honor and respect you this morning, Lord. I am thankful. Uh, as you know, we've been teaching on covenant. I really felt that the Lord made it very clear that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And sometimes we don't uh, hold on to retain what we've learned or, or we just kind of forget about it. And so I believe that we need to understand uh, what covenant is, what our covenant rights are, who we are in Christ Jesus. And, and so we have been walking our way up to Easter Sunday and we will deal with the new covenant on Easter Sunday. But right now we have to deal with the covenants in the Old Testament. And from last week, we understood what a covenant was. It was a contract, an agreement. This is our knowledge of it. Uh, a commitment, a guarantee, a warrant, a pledge, a promise, a bond to commit oneself to bind oneself. But God's covenant has no small print. When God makes a covenant, it is eternal. When he says it and he makes it with himself, he says, I make it with myself. Therefore, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on me. Okay. And we saw that all the elements of a covenant were, they were in the garden of Eden. Although the word covenant is not mentioned, all the elements of a covenant were there. And so we also saw that, that at the point of the fall of man, that God stepped in, he cursed the serpent, told him he would crawl on the ground and he would eat the dust of the ground and everything in it is what he says. Amen. And so we see there that he tells Eve and begins to prophesy and setting in motion a plan for the Messiah to come. That you would bruise his heel, meaning the enemy, but he would crush your head, meaning Christ. Okay? So if we understand these things, we begin to see the mystery of the word of God begin to open up for us. And as I was studying, I, I had a picture of, you know, the one that goes into her house and she lost the gold coin and, and she tears her whole house up looking for that gold coin. She tears everything up, pulling it apart. And she gets the broom and she's sweeping everything. You ever lost something and it's small. So you sweep it all together in a pile and then you pick through the pile trying to find it. I've done that with a diamond. <laughs> Hello. I want it back. Okay. It is the picture of how we should chase after the word and, and want to unravel the mystery of, of his covenants and of his word to us uh, or, or the treasure that's, that's in the field. And you know there's a treasure there. You know, and it may be the ugliest field in town, but you know there's a treasure there. So you'll gather together your money and you will buy that field so that you can get the treasure in the field. You begin to dig it out and you, and then you'll start digging holes all over that field trying to find that treasure. And I felt like that's what I was doing when I was searching this out. I said, this is a treasure. This is a mystery. This is a plan. This is what you have, Lord. And so we need to, in our mind, and we need to stir this idea up inside of us that we want 
want to dig out the treasure. We want to find the coin in God's word. We want to understand it to its fullest. We don't want to have a surface understanding. We want to dig deep. We want to dig the holes. And if you dig one hole and that one doesn't happen to be the one, then dig another one. And so we have to begin to develop this mindset yet again in ourselves that whatever the cost, it cost me time. And and my flesh is wanting to do other things that I need to get done. But my heart and my mind is saying, I want all of this. I don't want to bring this word without the depth of it, without understanding what your covenant is is to us if it was so important that you spoke about it in the Garden of Eden, then there has to be something miraculous and wonderful attached to this. And so I found myself reading and digging and going back to the Word and reading articles and pulling from every direction I could think to pull from because I wanted to understand even more than I had understood before about his covenant with us. And so we dealt with the covenant and what it was and how that it comes about and what the responsibilities are. And we found out that there's no small print in it, that it is solely God and that his covenants are eternal unless he pronounces that they're not. And we're going to talk about that today. Amen. And we spoke about one of the first covenants that was ever mentioned in the Bible, not calling it a covenant, but it being a covenant because it is a contract was a marriage covenant. Oh my God. And so we are in trouble church because we are stepping into an area where we want to redefine marriage. And when God's word says it is eternal, it is eternal. And that is a contract and a covenant that cannot be changed. It cannot be between a woman and a woman and a man and a man. Nowhere in the word, our life is based on this nowhere in the word doesn't condone that. This was set in the Garden of Eden. A covenant, it was set. It means it's, it's, it's as long as the earth, seed time, harvest time, there it is. We don't get to change it. It's non-negotiable. We understood that when God comes in with a covenant, he imposes the covenant on us. We don't go to God and say, hey, God, let's have a covenant. God comes and he imposes the covenant on us. In other words, we don't get to negotiate the terms of the covenant. There's no negotiating in it. You know, you know, so I said, well, you know, uh, uh, Abraham negotiated for Sodom. No, he had negotiated for the fact that they were, he, God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he and negotiated the fact of, can we find, I mean, Lord, you know, can I find this many, this many, he took them down to 10. Okay. But it was not a covenant. So there's no negotiating in a covenant with God. He comes, he imposes the covenant. Our responsibility is to either say yes or no, because you are a free agent. You have a free will. I said last week, if you love somebody, you don't want that somebody saying they love you because you're forcing them to say it. You're beating it out of them. Say you love me. You want to be with me. That's not love. So you have to have a choice. I choose to be with you. I choose to cup this covet with you. I choose to come together and to sup with you. I choose to be with you. And God chose even after the fall of man because he desired relationship. He wanted a relationship with us. And that's why man was created so God could come and walk in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve and talk and sup and have that relationship with them to love one another. So there had to be freedom of choice. There had to be a freedom to say, I love you, Lord, 
And you have the right to say, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. You have to have that choice in order for it to be true love or true obedience. Follow me so far? Okay. So now let's move into the covenant with Abraham. We're going to deal with Abraham and Moses. Although there are many other, I call them like little sub things to the main covenant. Okay. But this one is, is, is the foundation for us is the Abrahamic covenant. We dealt with Noah. I'll not destroy the earth again with water. Give you a rainbow, outward sign of the covenant, a rainbow. So every time you see a rainbow, you should just recognize the outward sign and understand that there was never a rainbow before that. That's the outward sign, the beauty of his covenant, the beauty of his promise. Have you ever just awed at the, at a rainbow and just stood there and looked at the colors of it and just stood in awe that it could appear like that in the sky? That God is promising us even today that he shows us that after a rain to say, don't worry. It's not going to happen like that. That's, I look at rainbows totally different. This, We've always ran outside to see him. Ron and I are like kids. Oh, it's a rainbow in the sky. Hallelujah. You know, we, we run outside to see it. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a reminder of the covenant that God has with us, the beauty that he leaves with us. And so we move up to the time of, of Abraham. It is very important to understand the Abrahamic covenant because it is the foundation of God's purpose for Israel and the nation's as well as mankind, i.e. faith. Okay? This is our foundation. This is where we learn how God is going to deal with Israel, how God is going to deal with the nations, and how God is going to deal with me. You have to make it personal. Mankind. I am part of mankind. He is my God. Amen? And so it would behoove me to understand how God is going to deal with me. How is he going to function with me? What does he have for me? How did it come to this place? And so when we come to, to, to Jesus, we need to understand all that God had laid into place to bring us to Jesus. Amen. And if you'll study the scriptures, you'll see that he's talking about him, that he's laying it all down all the way through. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Amen. <clears throat> I brought bigger words this time. Hallelujah. <laughs> I kept losing my place last week. I was like, oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is getting ready to set the covenant in motion. And we really don't know much about Abraham until God speaks to him at about the age of 75. And we see that God imposes the covenant and Abraham's response is yes. And he did what God said. Let's read. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. He said, yes, 
as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Uh, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haram. Okay. God spoke to Abraham. I want, to, I want you to see how loving God is. Okay. He didn't tell him, take your nephew. He told you, you. But he took his nephew with him. All right. I want you to see how loving God is. Didn't sway God not one bit because he was already laying his covenant. Remember, when God lays down a covenant, it depends on him. Amen. Not all about your actions, but all about his plan. Amen. And so we see that Abraham's response to it is, yes, I will follow. Yes, I'll go. I don't really know where I'm going. I don't really know what's going on, but I will go. I will leave this place and I will go. He goes south and he, he goes and he follows the Lord out of a place that's a place of comfort for you. Sometimes, even today, God will call you out of your place of comfort because he wants to do something in your life. He wants to bring about a change. He wants to bring about a blessing. He wants to begin to show you that he is God. And sometimes when we stay in our comfort zone, the place that we are familiar with, then we miss opportunities with God for him to show himself big to us. Because we as a people like to be in our comfort zone. Part of the reason why he took Lot with him. I need somebody I know with me. Somebody, not just my clan, but I want somebody to come with me. You ever had that? God is calling you. He's calling you out. He's, he's beckoning you. He's speaking to you. And you draw back because it's safe here. Challenging somebody today. Safe here. Amen. And so God now has moved him out. If there's a famine, okay, he leaves, goes to Egypt. Pharaoh sees his wife, Sarah, she's a beautiful lady. Okay, he lies, says this is his sister. This is just all the stuff that happens in between all of this, okay. And God is watching, by no means a perfect man, which tells me that God is not looking for perfection. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience, He's looking for someone that will run after him. He's looking for someone that will say, Lord, in all my flaws and in, in all of my shortcomings, Lord, I am coming. I am following you. I am walking this out. And so he lies and he says, Sarah's his sister, Pharaoh takes her and everything in his house just goes haywire. Nothing gets born there. It's just a whole mess. Pharaoh's like, come and get her. Bless me. Get her out of here. All right. Because God comes to him in a dream. And I want you to understand this. God had a plan for Abram. And he had a plan for Sarah. And he did not let his plan be taken into a, a, a wrong direction. He stopped Pharaoh from touching her. When God has a plan for your life, there is a level of protection over you that God has for you. When he has purposed you and he has directed you, then you have to trust that he will protect you. Now, it didn't stop her from having to go into the situation, but he protected her through the situation. Come on, we got to learn this stuff when we read the word of God. He protected her through the situation because he had a plan for her life that was hooked up to Abram. And he said, no, 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 you don't get to do this. Because it doesn't say which one of them could not have children. Come on now. Thought about that. I said, I wonder what would have happened if she would have got pregnant. 
You guys ever think about this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, hmm, Lord. You know? But he protected her. And he kept her. And he brought her back. Because she really stayed consistent and obedient to Abraham. And even in his lack of integrity, God held up hers. Ooh, come on, Jesus. My God. God will protect you, ladies. He will watch out for you. He will protect you. And so all this goes on. And Sarah comes back. Now they're moving on again. He goes into the land of Canaan. And the Lord said to Abraham, this is 13, 14. And the Lord said to Abram, this is after Lot left, okay? Well, let me bring you up to this, okay? He's following God. Sarah comes back. Pharaoh's on his way, okay? God promised him that he would bless him, yes? Okay, and because Lot was with him, Lot got blessed. Ooh, hallelujah. Tells you who you ought to hang out with. My God, find you somebody godly. You hang out with the ungodly. Okay, Lot was Abraham. Okay, so they're hanging out together, and, and the flocks get so big, and they're so blessed that the land will not contain them both. Okay, and so Abraham is like, look, okay, our, our, our herdmen, are, they're fighting each other. They're mad at each other, and we're going to have to separate here because we want to keep peace, and I don't want to be fighting with you, and, and, and I want to continue to love you. So the wisdom was to just let's separate. And I love the humility of Abraham because he says, look, look out. Okay. All right. What do you want? If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And the thing is, is the greediness of Lot picked the better land and, and the eyeing of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he took his tent and he pitched it, says it, he pitched it as close to sin as he could get. How many of us get as close to sin as we can get? Ever tell somebody that's hot? And they're a kid, and you're like, that's hot. Now, you might have done it yourself. That's hot. Don't touch that. And they're just. Uh, okay. He camped as close to Sodom and Gomorrah as he could. Ooh. That said a lot to me. Keep your distance. Keep your distance. And he fooled around, and he got captured for hanging out over there where it was party time. And Abram gets word of it, and he goes and he rescues him. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and Abram said, after Lot had left, I'm sorry, and Abram said, and the Lord said to Abram, this is after Lot had left. Notice they had to separate and separate himself from him. Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. He waited for Lot to leave before he spoke it to Abraham again. There are going to be times when you are going to have to leave certain relationships in order to move into the fullness that God has for you. Some relationships are not healthy for you. This was not a healthy relationship for Abram. And I love God so much because he prospered 
Lot, even though it wasn't a healthy relationship because of his relationship with Abram, that they had to separate. All right? For the land which you see, I give you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk the land through its length and its width, and I give it to you. Amen? He said, I give it to you. After Lot had left, I give all this to you. This is for you. I am setting up a covenant with you. I am promising you these things. Can you see this is already enacted? A Abraham didn't ask for it. God imposed it upon him. This is yours. I'm giving this to you. I'm not asking you, will you take it? I'm giving it to you. Will you take it? But it is yours. Will you walk in it? Walk the land. Walk the breadth, the length of it. Walk it. Possess it. It is yours. And again, Lot gets captured. Abraham goes and gets him. Abraham is coming back, and he's going through the, uh, uh, the Valley of the Kings. And as he's going through, this is a side note because I really want you to capture this because all of these are symbols. Let's go back. I'm, I'm taking you a lot of places because I want to hit so many things here really quick. In the garden, he clothed them with skins. Thank you. Blood. Okay. All right. As he's coming through the Valley of the Kings, it says in 18, 14, 18, then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine. Come on. <laughs> he was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. I want you to notice the blood, the bread and the wine. Come on now, God. And what did Abraham do in that? He gave him a 10th of all. No law, only relationship. No law, only relationship. It's all yours anyway, Lord. I'm so thankful you gave me the victory. I know it was by your hand that I was able to rescue Lot. I know it is by your hand that I took a spoil of the enemy, wiped them out, took it all. I'm bringing back the men, the women, the children, my nephew, all of it. And I will not let you as a king give anything to me because then you could say that you bless me when it is God alone because he understood that. And in his giving of the tenth, he understood that it was God alone that brought him out and it would be God alone that would bless him beyond blessing. These are all actions of faith building in this. You see God building this thing and he's building it and he's dropping nuggets. He's dropping nuggets in it, a nugget here and a nugget there. Will you sweep the floor to find it? Will you sweep the floor to find it? Oh, my God. My God. And he said he blessed him after he gave him the bread and the wine. I want to be blessed. There's a blessing in taking communion. Can you see it there? <laughs> There's a blessing when you come and you, you eat the bread and you, you drink the blood, there's a blessing in that. This, all of it is, is laid out symbolically all the way through. Can you see that? It's so awesome.
Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis 15. Thank you, Lord. I'm giving you really the, the top stuff of it. If you, it would take more time than, than I have. And I was telling Pastor almost a month of Sundays it, to, to really break this whole covenant thing down and all the covenants in the Bible. And it's a lot. It, it, it's a lot. But I wanted to get to the main ones. And this is dealing with the Abrahamic covenant. God ratifies this covenant with Abraham. Okay. Ratify means to approve formally. I'm going to approve it formally. Now, he had already spoke the covenant over his life. You saw that, right? When he told him to get out of his country, he had already laid down the covenant for him. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bring nations out of you. I'm going to make your descendants like the sand and the stars in the sky. I'm giving you all of this. But see, now we have Abraham. And I love this because the word of God says that after these, uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. I love that. And I'm going to kind of surmise bringing it down. And Abraham says, okay, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, uh, uh, what are you going to give me since I have no heir? I don't have an heir. But Abraham said to him, Lord God, what would you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. He's like, okay, now nah, I, I done left my country. I, be, you know, I done went through the war. You brought me out, and you know, uh, I gave a tenth of it all, and I've been doing it right, God. Now, uh, yeah, but you're promising me all these descendants, and I don't have no kids. What's up with that? Can you see he's getting a little shaky? He, he's getting a little uh, okay. Uh, is it going to happen? He's getting a little shaky. But Abram said, Lord God. What shall you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, I don't have any kids, and I'm getting kind of old, and I don't have any kids. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir, O God, but one who will come out of your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. I love this because if you read through Genesis and you read this, you see him confirming it over and over and over and over again. So do not, do not be ashamed and do not feel bad about yourself. If you need God to speak to you over and over and over and over again, because he's like that. He's a good God. He cares enough about you and his word in you and his love for you and his purpose and his plan for your life that he will take the time to talk to you over and over and over and over again. And this is the old Testament. <laughs> Then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, how Shall I inherit it? Now, I love this. Now, he says, okay, I, I got the child thing. But now, how are you going to give me this land? I love it. He just goes from one thing to the other. Okay. Okay. What are we going to do about this? All right. I, I'm looking here. There's some strong people in this land. 
it ain't looking too good. I just came from a war, okay? All right? That was kind of, you know, hairy there, all right? You know, we think he just went in there and took it. He had to fight for it. Okay? It was a fight. Have you ever been in a fight and you're wondering, God, I'm having to fight, but you gave me a promise and it ain't happening and I'm out here battling all these demons and fighting all this stuff and it ain't happening like I think it should happen and so I'm fighting. Okay, so how you gonna, how you gonna do this? I ain't got no money. How you gonna do this? I'm still sick. You ever thought about that? You know how he felt in, in having to fight through that? And, and I'm sure when he took out, he said, well, this is God. I'm just going to walk in and it's going to be mine. We think that way a lot of the time. We think because we come to the Lord, everything's supposed to be easy. But God took him through the paces. He took him through the battles. He brought him all the way through to the other side, entirely wanting nothing but a child. Come on. The promise. Now, he believed him about the child, but he couldn't believe him about the land. And, and so I, I want to talk about him, God ratifying the covenant with him. Because God loved Abram so much, he took a custom that was used in those times to ratify a contract. To ratify means to formally approve it. Okay, history tells us that the day of Abraham and before when two parties joined efforts into a signing of a covenant, animals would be used as a witness to them and their uh, adherence to the covenant. Okay, then two parties would gather a number of specific animals, sacrifice them and arrange their carcasses on the ground, creating a pathway through both for both parties for which they would pass through together as they swore to uphold their end of the contract. Least they should receive the fate of these animals for any breach of the contract. Whoa, that's pretty heavy. It made you think twice about entering a contract with somebody. Okay, that was a serious thing. A very serious thing. For any breach of the contract which they would be responsible for. So if they breached the contract, then the fate of those animals was to come upon them. So I, 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 if you look at that, a contract or a covenant was a very, 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 very serious thing. It wasn't entered into lightly at all. And if it was a contract between friends, then they would do it as father and son would be the wording of the contract. Isn't that something? If it was between those that weren't friends and really kind of allies, it would be between slave and master. Ah, that was the wording of it. That's a key point, too. Amen. So he was afraid and he didn't understand because now I'm doing everything solely on your word, Lord. I'm doing everything solely on your word. Amen. So God used something that Abraham could understand. Let's go to Genesis 15, 9 and 10. So God said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two, laid that, and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the two birds in half. Now, when he did this, he did that part of the work. He brought the natural and this the natural part. He brought the natural animals 
and he cut them in two, and he laid them open. Okay, and so now he's fighting off buzzards and everything because you know when you have blood and dead things, he's starting to fight off things. This is not what his part was supposed to be. And so God causes a deep sleep to come on him. He causes a very deep sleep to come on him. And God's glory alone walked through. We'll read it, 17. 15, 17, and 18. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold there appeared a smoking oven, a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants have I given the land from the river Euphrates, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So if, if you, you look at this, it wasn't... Um, he put Abraham to sleep, okay? He had to give Abraham something he could understand. He was getting a bit shaky. And so God took what was reasonable and understanding to him. God will help you understand what is going on in your life. Come on. We're dealing with how God deals with human beings, the human race. These are all patterns on how God deals with us. He will bring you to something that you understand. Amen. And he will have you stand back. And he will be the one that will walk through it. Oh, God. And bring you out on the other side. Come on now. Have you ever had something that you didn't understand what was going on? And before you knew it, God had worked it out and you were on the other side. God had to ratify this contract with himself. And so he, he didn't have to come down and do the ritual, but he chose to show Abraham, I am your God. I will set myself with you. I will set myself that you can understand that I am your God. You can follow me. You can trust me. I am sealing my word to you. So he walked through the two pieces. And he sealed the covenant with himself because it was not contingent on what Abraham did so much as it was on what God was going to do because his purpose and his plan would be fulfilled no matter what because he knew he was dealing with a fallen individual with fallen tendencies. Oh God, he knew he was dealing with someone that had fears that would act upon his fears. After all, he let Pharaoh take his wife. He was afraid that Pharaoh would kill him. He was a natural man with natural tendencies. But one that had tapped into the law of faith. And as God walked through, he ratified the contract and the covenant. And it became sealed in blood. Something Abraham could grasp and hold on to. And something that we need to grasp and hold on to. The blood in the garden. The bread and the wine. The blood, I am walking through the two pieces. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Oh my God. He walked through because he knew that he would keep his word. And Abraham had to understand through something he could see to relate to so that his faith would be built. And he would understand that this is an eternal contract with God. I can trust his word. I can trust his word. I want to give you vital information about the covenant with Abraham. In the walking through the two pieces, it was set in stone. Eternity. This is an eternal 
because it does not say anything in here about when it stops. Forever. 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 You hear forever. Forever. How many stars are in the sky? We have no idea. Can you count the sand on the beach? We have no idea. Forever. Oh, God. So we have to understand this important information here about the covenant with Abram. Abram was to be the father of a great nation, and that was to be the nation of Israel. He was going to birth this particular nation out of him. All right? The promise of the land for his nation was specifically the land of Canaan. It's his land. God promised it to him. Have not seen it all fulfilled yet, which lets you know that we are still in the process of this covenant being worked out. Oh, God. Abraham himself was to be greatly blessed, and he was. Abraham was to be a blessing to others, and he was. Still is. Those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will be cursed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Even under the dispensation of grace, God does not play about Israel. God does not play about Israel. And I just don't think it's a quinky dinky that certain things happen when we start taking land from Israel and we start turning against Israel. Pray for the United States of America. Pray for the United States of America because we are moving into a time when we are starting to turn our backs on Israel and they need us. They need us. And we need them more than they need us. Seriously. And if you will go back over the timelines, take the time, go back over the timelines and watch pivotal moments in in different presidencies when they came against Israel and watch what happens to the United States every single time. Follow the timeline. You can go online and find it. You can find it in history books. Just look them up. Whenever certain things, they start coming against Israel. Certain things start happening in the United States that are not good for us. He wasn't playing. This is an eternal covenant, an eternal contract. It doesn't change. God does not change his mind, nor does he lie. So for him to do something different now would mean that he changed his mind and he lies. And he's not a God that will lie. This doesn't change. Grace or not, this does not change. The grace part of it will be he may not let it go as far as he could let it go for the sake of those of us that believe and love Israel. Abraham would be blessed, and and Abraham all will be blessed. We understand that because this is the setting of the covenant leading up to the Messiah. Amen? You have to understand that. God is setting up now and putting it into motion and sealing it, what he's going to do in time to come to bring the nations back to him. Okay? Other nations, in addition to Israel, will come out of Abraham. Circumcision was the outward sign of the covenant to the Israelites. Ours is circumcision of the heart. All right? Theirs was circumcision in the flesh. That was the sign of the covenant. That was how they knew you were in covenant with God. Again, bloodshed. God. This is not some joking manzy pansy Bible said, Well, you know, people that love the Lord, they just need a crutch. You know, this is not a crutch because this is not no play. Okay. This ain't no play thing. 
Okay. When you cut two big, I mean, you cut all these big old giant animals in half. You, you did, you were not some little weak person. You had to cut through bone. You had to stand in that blood. You were a bloody mess by the time you were through. We see pictures of it on TV and it doesn't do it justice. Have you ever had to slaughter an animal before? Do you know how much blood is involved in that? Do you know if you're standing in the middle of that, that it is a bloody situation? The blood was shed and he shed blood with every man that would come into covenant in his family with him. Blood was shed. It is a blood covenant. It was a blood covenant back then and it'll be a blood covenant when Jesus comes. Do you see the parallel that he is setting up here? My God. God, thank you, Lord. As we move forward, then there becomes a, a, a name change. Okay, Genesis seventeen five. There's a name change. I am not going to call you Abram anymore. You will be Abraham. I am not going to call Sarah, but she will be Sarah. Okay, and you will not just. You will be a father to many. He changes his name because now, along with your faith that you have trusted in me, that you have seen the covenant, that you are moving forward with me, I am going to now begin to teach you how to confess who you are. <laughs> this is Old Testament, people. I'm going to teach you now to call yourself what I call you, not what you call you. And all your faults and all the things you do wrong and all the things you miss, like your Ishmael, hallelujah, all the things that you don't do. I'm going to teach you in the midst of it to call you who I say you are. My God. A sign in the Israelites was the flesh, the circumcision, that 17, 11, Genesis, Genesis 22, Abraham's faith is confirmed by a test from God. His son has a burnt offering. Listen to me. This was a test. This was the earthly test for the heavenly blessing. Abram, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Can you just stop for a minute? And, and think about your babies, the ones you held in your arms. But I dare say that Abraham had seen enough when he saw that God had walked through as a burning torch, that his covenant was true. And so he trusted God in all of his pain Sometimes you have got to trust God in all of your pain. Sometimes you have got to trust him when it seems he is asking you for everything. You have to trust him. And so Abram takes his son and he is willing to fulfill what God has asked him to do. His faith level. I believe that when God asks you to do something and it's a difficult thing, I believe that he gives you what you need within you to complete the task before you if you will continue to walk in faith with him. If you will trust him. If you have built. See, you have to understand, up until this time, Abraham has built a relationship with God. He has walked with God. He has talked with God. He has had the covenant affirmed to him over and over and over and over again. He has saw it in the natural where he could get a sense and touch the dead animals. This is it. 
He had a relationship with God. If you do not have a relationship with God, it will be extremely difficult for you to walk through anything. Anything. Because you have no time with him. You do not understand who he is. You don't understand what he does. And so you get fearful and you walk away. If you have that relationship with him, he gives you the ability to walk through. I can walk through. And when he goes to commit the sacrificial point of it, stay your hand, for there's a ram in the thicket. Stay your hand. It's all right. I got you. You won't lose everything. I gave you a promise. And through this promise, I will fulfill my word to you. I will fulfill my word to you. I'm bringing you through. Sometimes you got to go through because he takes you through because it is building up who you are. It is building your faith. It is taking you from faith level to faith level to faith level to faith level. Yes, the enemy will come against you. If you don't think fear was there with Abraham, you're wrong. It was there, but he depended on the promise of God and he depended on the faithfulness of God that, that God would see him through no matter what. And because of his willingness, God says, I withhold nothing from you. Wow. Stay faithful, church. Fellowship with him. Know him. Stand, walk, talk, breathe, live with him. And he will show you through everything. What a faithful God he truly is. Hallelujah. And out of this, let's, let's go to 2215. I, I just want to show you this, okay? This is so beautiful to me. Hallelujah. He stays his hand. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have, I have sworn, says the Lord. By myself, I have sworn, says the Lord. You have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing will I bless you. And multiplying will I multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies in your seed. That's everything in your seed. All the nations of earth shall be blessed because you obeyed my voice. The seed, your seed shall be blessed. Christ Jesus, Christ, the Messiah will come out of this covenant. I will redeem the world. I will redeem my people. I will bring a people unto myself. I will bring them out of your seed because you said yes to me. What can you say in yes to God do in this world? What can you say in yes to God change? What can it change? He said yes. And out of that, out of that came redemption. My God. My God, he spoke of Jesus. The covenant is confirmed to Isaac. He's bringing it down all the way down now. 26, 1 through 5. Covenant is confirmed to Jacob. 28, Genesis 28, 10 through 15. The covenant is confirmed to David because he tells David that your seed shall sit on the throne forever. My 
God. And you have to understand that both Joseph and Mary came out of the seed line of David. Oh my God. Hallelujah. That's heavy. I mean, that, that to me is just like, Woo, God, you're so good. I mean, you look down through the eons of time and you just set this thing. You set it there and you set it there and you set it there and you showed us in the mysteries. If you dig off in there and you begin to pull this out and you can, you can pull that out and you can say, I can do that. Yeah. I can grab. Oh, yeah. I see that. God, I'll take that. Oh, yeah. Let me sweep a little bit more. Let me pick through this. Sometimes you got to pick through things to find what God has for you and get a grasp of who he is in your life. And we have a covenant based upon better promises. Oh, God, we got to talk about that real quick. And I'm going to let you go and take you through this really quick. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) We have to understand the Mosaic covenant because the Mosaic covenant is the old covenant. The covenant that he made with Abraham is eternal. It does not change. It's eternal. Eternal does not change. The covenant he made with with Moses is a conditional covenant. It is a covenant of works. You got to understand the Israelites. And he told Moses, I mean, he told Abraham about this. They're going to go in. They're going to become slaves. 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. Now you got to understand you're dealing with a slave mentality. They just don't understand. Okay, they don't get it. And so now God is wanting to pull out his holy nation. Okay, that'll be a light in a dead world. They'll live different from everybody else. They won't be like them. They won't act like them. They won't worship idols. They won't build idols. I'm pulling them out. I'm giving them a set of rules and regulations to cause them to be the set apart ones. Okay. Because they did not really know how to love God. They didn't know how to follow God. They didn't even really have a grasp of our understanding of God like their ancestors have had because they've been in slavery. They have not been free to worship. Okay, and so he brings them out. Now, the Mosaic Covenant, Exodus 20, your Ten Commandments. Okay, we know all that stuff. This is a conditional covenant, amen, contingent on the Israelites keeping the law. Okay, if you will, I will. That's what this covenant is all about. It is a much larger and complicated covenant with laws, rituals, a tabernacle that allows humans to enter God's presence. There are 613 commandments in this covenant. Jeez. And you needed to know them. (laughs) Okay. With the greatest being, love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to tell you that when you're a slave and you get very little, like Pastor said, you get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. Come on, let's think about it. When you're in lack, I mean really in lack, what do you do? You stop giving. A lot of people stop coming to church. They suck up everything and they get hateful and mean because, no, you can't have it. Don't do that. Yeah, it's mine, mine. You fight over it. Because you don't have. You're in lack. God understands that. You're in lack. And so these are the tendencies that begin to take hold because it's self-preservation. I have to survive at all costs. Come on. We see slaves like they got fed plenty of food and they went to work every day. It wasn't like that. It was harsh. It was hard. And when things are harsh and they are hard for generation to generation to generation, you develop tendencies that are not too good. Okay. And so the greatest of the commandments was to love God with all your heart. 
and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those were the two greatest spoken of all, all through the New Testament, two greatest. Jesus spoke of them, greatest. And so we, we see the Ten Commandments as the foundational commandments, okay? The first four commandments deal with man's relationship with God. Six through ten deal with man's relationship with each other, okay? And there are 603 commandments that deal with how the nation of Israel is to live out the Ten Commandments in their religious life, their moral life, and their civil life, their civic life. All of these deal with that. So out of the Ten Commandments, all these other ones, okay, are there to teach you how to live by the Ten. Okay? You break one of the commandments, you break all of the commandments. Now we need to understand that the purpose of the law was not to grant salvation because you cannot gain salvation through the law because if you did, you would have to keep all of the commandments. It would be through your works. You would have to keep every single one of them all of your life. Because if you break one, you're guilty of breaking them all. Got it? Okay. <laughs> As if we could. But it is a school teacher pointing the way of the coming Christ. The Mosaic law was revealed to us to show us our sinfulness. It was to show us who we really are, our sinful nature. And to help us to come to the realization that we need a Messiah. We need a Savior. If you understand the Ten Commandments, you would say, like, <laughs> this is, oh, what a wicked man that I am. But thanks be to God. You would understand that all of this, the Ten Commandments, were turning all the people to face the Messiah. Turning all the people to cry out, oh God. So take the time. Understand what is all leading up to who you are and what is yours and what was paid and how God, down through time, did not allow in any way, shape, form, or fashion the lack of man's integrity, the lack of man's power to keep the law. He did not let that stop him from moving all of us forward to the point of the Messiah. It is all written so that you have a clear understanding why you need a Messiah. I have an eternal covenant with my church, my people, and we're going to talk about the eternal covenant and the new covenant that will come in and abolish the old and the new next week. I love you guys. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you. I love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.